listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. North of Zero by Slip and Mickey's on AO3. Chapter 4 The Shack. The Shack was only a way station, a stopover, an outpost at which to rest and restock, recalibrate, perhaps escape. Their true home, if you could call it that, having settled there the year before, was a cabin on the shore of an inland lake 15 miles further north. Three damp rooms with a sodden mossy roof hidden under a thick pelt of hemlock. Mulder had kept the lamp going longer than he'd wanted to. Scully should have been back hours ago, and while it was their custom to keep the lighting low after dusk so as to not attract attention, the shack where he waited could be hard to see in the dark, and he wanted to give her something to walk toward. She had been late before. There were any number of things that could hold you up out there. If she'd felled a deer, for example, it would take her time to dress and butcher the animal and her pace would be slowed with the excess weight of meat in her pack. Nevertheless, he worried. The dinner he'd prepared had cooled and was slowly congealing under the flipped plate he'd used to cover it. He moved from the narrow cot in the corner to the dusty, cobwebbed window to the lone, rickety chair pulled up to the piece of plywood they used as a table, then back to the window. An endless cycle of movement as the as the space wasn't really big enough to pace. He finally gave up and threw himself onto the cot, one arm thrown over his eyes, the scratchy fibers of the Mackinac blanket cool below him. He was just starting to doze when he heard Molly nicker from where she was hobbled alongside Pumpkin on the edge of the wood. The horse only ever did so when Scully was near. He leapt to his feet and threw open the corrugated tin sheet that served as the door. From the shadows of the trees emerged two figures, Scully and the slightly taller young man she was propping up, who limped along with the help of a long branch that split into a Y under his shoulder. Mulder trotted out to meet them, and they pulled up as he approached. Scully held his eyes for a long moment before she spoke. He's got a broken ankle, she said to him. The horses whinnied their greetings, stamping their feet, insulted that Scully hadn't come over to say hello. The man with Scully was more of a boy, Mulder realized as he studied him. His face was pinched, his jaw, just starting to broaden under peaked cheeks, was clenched in pain. He was lean, coltish, not exactly emaciated, but that ropey length of a preteen, in want of protein and ready to shoot up like a new growth of bamboo. Mulder put his hand on the boy's shoulder. I'm going to carry you inside, he said, and the boy nodded, slumping as Mulder grabbed him by the shoulders and swung him up with a grunt of effort. Whatever reserves of energy the boy had had for the journey with Scully through the pass, now utterly spent. Mulder maneuvered him carefully through the slat of the doorway and deposited him gently on the cot, rising as Scully came up behind them. She put a hand on Mulder's lower back. Mulder, this is William, she said, 
and when he snapped his eyes to her, gave him a significant look. I'm Mulder, he said to the boy after a moment, holding out a hand. The boy gave him a surprisingly firm shake and a weak nod. Scully edged past him and knelt next to the foot of the cot, and Mulder took a halting step backward, bumping into the edge of the plywood table in the small space of the shack. Scully began untying the rope that was holding together the field splint around the boy's boot. Mulder, will you get my med kit? She asked quietly, concentrating on the task at hand. In the first six months, there had been no resource scarcity. Grocery stores didn't have power, but most were still fully stocked, and there hadn't been enough survivors to really wipe them out. Sure, there wasn't a whole lot of meat or dairy, but canned franks and beans were plentiful, and there was always another corner store somewhere on the edge of a suburb that mostly hadn't been touched. Alcohol and cigarettes were rare, sure, but you could always find a Snickers or some Cheddar Bugles, or even the odd bag of Chex Mix under an overlooked shelf, and you could walk back into the trees sucking salt from your fingertips, your body happily processing soy isolate and Lake Blue Number 5. But eventually, the cans became harder to find, and they'd started to hunt. A bullet from his FBI-issued 9mm could only travel about 2,300 yards before falling to the ground, and in the woods it was less than a quarter of that. They'd hit a few sporting goods stores and Walmarts and found several decent rifles and enough ammunition to last them to rapture, if it hadn't already come to pass. In all his years at the FBI, he'd never hunted anything innocent, so when the deer wandered in front of his sights, he'd hesitated. The doe stepped in front of him and froze, her glistening nose bobbing in the air, and the animal hadn't done a thing wrong but exist and wander into a space where he existed at the same time, hungry and hard up for protein. Her glinting eyes were round and dark, and her tan hide seemed so flawless and pure that he thought about a bullet piercing it and ruining her faultless lines, and he dithered. By the time he squeezed the trigger, she was two steps past center mass, and his bullet knocked into her backside, and she was off like a shot, crashing through the undergrowth like a creature possessed. It took him three hours to find her. There didn't seem to be much blood, at least not enough to leave a traceable trail, and the only thing that helped was the occasional footprint, cloven tracks like daggers in the dirt one or two of them every 200 or 300 feet, like a magical tumness toying with him in a wood. When he finally found her, she was laying at the bottom of a gulch, mouth open unnaturally, sides heaving, her rump a wash of hematic copper. She had the decency to look him in the eye when finally he pulled the trigger a second time, and she slumped to the ground slowly, like bubbles running down a freshly shaved leg. They ate well for weeks, but Mulder preferred rabbits for the rest of that winter, like the fox that he was. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com 
slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.